please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the Science of Light. I'm really glad you're here as I took another... seems like this always happens with this podcast. I'll just go like three weeks without putting out an episode, and it usually, if you've been around here a while, has to do with my kids, you know, childcare being weird, which it, as always, there's always something going on there, so sometimes I don't get episodes out as soon as... I want them to, but I'm really grateful for those of you that stick around. And so this episode is a really fantastic one. Um, So Kimberly Junta, the guest today is an Ayurvedic Lyme disease specialist. So if you don't know what Lyme disease is, um, I suspect you do if you're here to listen to this episode, but it is a tick-borne illness. Uh, so it's the one with the bullseye rash, but as I have been learning, so I mentioned in the episode that my partner, my husband contracted Lyme disease this summer. So that was part of why I was really excited to have Kimberly on because, um, you know, just personal reasons. Right. Um, but I also think from what I've learned through this journey with my partner, with my husband is that, um, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about Lyme disease, including in the medical world. So we talk about some of that in this episode today, and we also talk about um, just some of the stuff that that I never knew about until people in my somebody else in my life also went through Lyme disease and had chronic Lyme, and so um, there's there's more to it than just the bullseye rash, and so we talk about that in depth in this episode with Kimberly's experience and then also um, how yoga and Ayurveda fit into her story and how she now helps her clients um, overcome some of the challenges, lasting challenges that come with Lyme disease. So just, I just want to say like, even if you've never had Lyme disease or if you think you're in a part of the country where you're not sure if, if Lyme disease even really exists. I still think this is going to be a valuable episode for you because there's a lot of good Ayurvedic tools. Um, and we talk about how it can be conceptualized from an Ayurvedic lens. And also just something I've learned since reading about it through, because my husband has it, uh, or at least got it this summer is that, um, Lyme disease can, It can be caused by one specific bacteria that causes the bullseye rash, but it also can, there are several um, parasites and bacteria that ticks and even mosquitoes carry. So even if you don't spend a whole ton of time in the woods getting bitten by ticks, um, you might, you could get some of these bacteria or parasites from a mosquito even. Um, And so these bacteria can be responsible for a whole host of just mysterious illnesses and symptoms. So, um, you know, fibromyalgia or just like chronic pain, joint pain, just a, just a whole slew of mysterious symptoms can sometimes be related to 
tick-borne illness. And I'm not telling you to go and diagnose yourself with a tick-borne illness because you have some related symptoms, but I am saying that it could be an avenue that um, you may have never explored, or it's just super fascinating and interesting. And as always with this podcast, Kimberly just shares her story in such a beautiful way that that's, that's always one of my goals with this podcast is that when you listen, I hope you get a lot of value out of hearing people's story because there's often overlaps. There's things we can relate to through going on a spiritual journey and manifesting something in your life that's, you know, I I love hearing from and talking to people who build their work around something that's very aligned for them personally, very, you know, on their own dharma path and that's totally Kimberly totally lives up to that she is, has built her work around something that she suffered with and it's something that the world needs and that's dharma right there so even if you don't resonate with Lyme disease you know you've never had Lyme disease never known anybody that has Lyme disease maybe you live somewhere that doesn't have ticks I don't know it's still just a really good story she's a beautiful soul to hear from And there's a lot of insights about yoga and Ayurveda and how to use those as supportive tools as part of a holistic health journey. As you know, that's that's my jam around here is um, holistic health, specifically through yoga and Ayurveda. If we can ever, you know, talk about those, those are my favorites, but sometimes we'll have some other tools on here. So without further ado... We'll get into the interview. I just also want to more thoroughly introduce Kimberly. As I already mentioned, she is a Ayurvedic practitioner, and so that means she uses Ayurveda, which is yoga sister science, uh, more lifestyle concerns, um, and some yoga tools to help folks recover from chronic Lyme disease, which is something that she has done herself. So she not only has the professional skills, but also the personal skills to know what you've been through or what you're going through and is just fantastically supportive. Um, so you can work with her. She also has a sweet sleep checklist. She'll talk more about what that is. And so if that sounds interesting, learning how to sleep better because who doesn't need good sleep? That's nobody. Everybody needs good sleep. Um, listen to the end of the episode and you'll hear about that. We'll talk more about it there. And she also talks about in this episode, a her dark night of the soul. So we'll get there. Um, tune in, listen to the interview, her story, it's a beautiful story, and yeah, so we'll get started, and you'll get to hear about her dark night of the skull, going from a massage therapist to an Ayurvedic practitioner, and what that was like. So here we go. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary, and today I'm joined by Kimberly Junta, who is a chronic Lyme Ayurveda specialist. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Rosemary. I'm delighted to be here. Good. I'm super glad you're here, and I'm excited to hear all about your story and um, learn about chronic Lyme from an Ayurvedic perspective. So would you mind starting with describing sort of who you were before um, yoga, before Ayurveda, before you found any of this stuff? Hmm. Well... Before I found yoga, it's actually been quite a long time since I've had yoga in my life. I was 19 years old when I took my first yoga class, and it was an Ashtanga yoga class, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's in a very warm room, and it's a specific series of poses. 
And we went through this series of poses and we got to Shavasana and I laid in Shavasana and felt this huge surge of relief come over my body and mind that I finally felt safe and grounded and relaxed all at the same time in my own being. And I was hooked. I just, that was it. I was taking yoga classes as often as I could. And then I discovered Ayurveda not long after that. I graduated from college okay, and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, right. So then I started looking around and thinking, what's going to give me meaning and purpose in my life? And I came up with two options. They were massage and carpentry. Hmm. What'd you go to college for? English, English literature. And I really enjoyed it. I love to read and I love to write. So mm. English was, was the, the only option. <laughs> that was what I wanted to do, was read yeah. all the time. Nice. But there aren't yeah. a lot of options for people who just want to read and write um, when they get out of school. So True. I yeah. worked at a wildlife refuge, but I wasn't really happy. I was sitting behind a cool. desk and not really... I dug the nature, I dug the community, but my work, what I was doing was just yeah. not filling my, my cup. Um, so I was searching right. and I read a book by Deepak Chopra called The Way of the Wizard. And Ooh. it led me on this circuitous path to massage therapy, at which point I found Ayurveda. And an Ayurvedic practitioner living okay. in the area said, you know, maybe you want to study Ayurveda. I was like, okay, cool. So I got some books. I graduated from massage therapy school. I opened up my own practice. And working with people, I just saw how much they were looking to massage for the answers, for the cure, for the healing. And I could see that there was so mm -hmm. much more to it what they ate, how they exercised, mm -hmm. the things they thought, the judgments they had about themselves and other people. And it just opened up this whole world for me um, to just be thinking about Ayurveda. Totally. I like that. Um, I do notice that too, that like I enjoy a good massage myself, but sometimes I appreciate yoga and Ayurveda for the um, – it places the locus of control on the self rather than looking outside for healing. I like that, that distinction that, um, yeah, yeah, it's so much more encompassing than just one session. Although massage is also great and nice sometimes. Massage certainly has its place, but that's exactly it, is that I noticed people would come to me wanting something from me for their journey, and mm. I wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. able to give it to them. Because really, what they were looking for was inside right. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, at that point, did you go and start studying Ayurveda? Or how did that play out? I didn't. I actually got, um, I got Lyme disease first. And that was okay. back in, gosh, it must have been 2003. 
And so I was giving 15, 20 massages a week. And I didn't know that I had Lyme disease. I got this bug bite and it turned red and I had a rash. Um, Looking back now, I know that it was the classic bullseye Lyme disease rash. I didn't know that then. What part of the country were you living in then? (laughs) I was living in Connecticut on the shoreline, very close to Lyme, Connecticut. Yeah, but I was new mm-hmm. to Connecticut, which Connecticut is not my my birthplace. For clarification, where if folks don't know this, I live in North Carolina in the mountains of North Carolina, and there is a myth in the medical world that Lyme disease only exists in Connecticut near the town or city of Lyme, Connecticut, where it is named after the town, right? And I didn't know this until recently. Um, because my husband got Lyme disease. So that's why I'm excited to interview you because recently my husband had the bullseye rash like this summer. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I've been reading about it and I learned that that's where people first started noticing. And so doctors here in North Carolina will say it only exists in the Northeast. It's not here, but it's not true. Um, so that's just an aside that I want to like clarify because I just recently learned this myself that it's not only in Lyme, Connecticut or in Connecticut or the Northeast. It's at least definitely here in North Carolina. So with that piece of information, clarifying for the listeners, um, do you, what, so what, what unfolded after you had the bug bite, you got the bullseye rash, then, then what you continued on um, giving massage. So I had this flu for about six weeks was the flu right after the bullseye rash? Was it like you had the rash then got sick? Um, I didn't connect it in my mind at the time, but looking back, it was. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. it was fall. I tended to be a person who would, you know, get bronchitis in the fall or have some sort of cold. And so I thought, mm, I had a bad cold, bad flu. It just didn't clear up for a while. It eventually did. Um But I noticed afterwards I was very tired and I thought, oh, you know, I can't keep giving massage 15, 20 massages a week. It's just too much for my body. So at that point I thought, I'm going to go study Ayurveda. And I started looking at schools and I found the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I went out to New Mexico and just loved it, loved the school. just fell in love with the community yeah. and the spiritual practices that went along with the education. So the impetus was sort of feeling unwell for you that you were like, okay, I need to do something different. Is that? I think that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, I just noticed my body was getting tired much more easily. And mm. I had been giving massage for steadily for about five years And I thought, oh, the wear and tear on my body is just becoming too much. Uh, But I didn't connect the dots. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the Boston area. I didn't know really anything about ticks, even though I spent a lot of time in Maine. um, There's still really nothing about ticks. I never got tick bitten in Maine. Um, So I didn't really connect all the dots um, until much later. 
Well, there is some validity too. I mean, massage is hard on the body. So, Mm -hmm. so I can see that, that thought path, um, that, oh, it's just like how I'm living my life. Right. Not understanding that there's something deeper going on. I think that's common from what I've heard with folks with experiencing Lyme. So, uh, you went out to New Mexico and then what? Yeah, I went out to New Mexico and I was just so uh, just deeply involved in my studies there. And I also got married. Once I got there, I met my husband and we got married. And I also had suddenly had a bunch of dogs that came with my husband. And so life just kind of carried on (laughs) for a couple of years. We were having Mm -hmm. fun out there. I had a really hard time acclimating to the altitude. So we lived at 7,000 feet and Albuquerque is at 5,500 feet. Mm -hmm. So I noticed I was getting breathless pretty easily, um, which I thought was just, again, rationalized. Um, It made sense to me at the time that the altitude was just hard on my body. I grew up at sea level. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then a couple years later, um, I was under a lot of stress. My husband was opening a business in New Mexico and I was trying to help him. And, um, I had been working in the Panchakarma department, giving Ayurvedic massage mm-hmm. and I was just overwhelmed and tired. And I just started feeling pretty unwell, um, which culminated with having just really bad, gastrointestinal problems that eventually landed me Mm. in the hospital. And once I was in the hospital, the ER nurse, I was in the emergency room because I was just, I was bleeding so badly. Um, I was just hemorrhaging blood. And the ER nurse looked at me and she said, tell me about your heart condition. And I was baffled. I'm like, what heart condition? I don't have a heart condition. Oh my gosh. And she very calmly looked at me and just had great eye contact, was so compassionate and loving. And she said to me, you have a very serious heart condition. And I was floored. Whoa. But I was also, you know, I didn't go to the ER room lightly. I was in a lot of pain. I was now on morphine. Right. Um, and I was just mm-hmm. stunned and shocked and speechless. And that was really, you know, I look back at that time period because that night after being in the ER for a few hours, I was admitted to the hospital, given an emergency colonoscopy. And then the next morning, I wake up in the hospital room. It's very very gray and I'm like what just happened this is so this is so Uh bizarre and upsetting and a doctor comes in and he says to me you have severe ulcerative colitis and I'm like wow okay I don't know what that is and he explains to me what it is and the treatment his recommended treatment was to remove my colon. And again, I'm just stunned. I'm sitting there like, wait a second. I've been studying digestion and 
they want to take out one of the main organs of digestion that makes no sense mm-hmm. to me and wait right what's happening and not 15 minutes later a cardiologist comes in and says you're going to need to have open heart surgery <laughs> and i was just blown away i just i shattered into pieces and that was really the beginning of my dark night of the soul that was the, the twilight as yeah. i was you know ushering mm. in this period of life that was incredibly dark for me yeah sounds like it that's valid <laughs> um so what were some other I mean, so obviously that's a lot of huge health concerns to kind of deal with and be smacked in the face with. Um, And so I know a dark night of the soul, it goes deeper than just what's going on with the physical body. So if you don't mind sharing what, how did you move through that? What were some other Mm -hmm. things going on? Like how did it unfold for you? Well, it's kind of, um, you know, in the way that life will bring you things that you don't know that you need. My cousin's a nurse. Mm -hmm. And when I shared with her that I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, she said, the first thing you're going to need is a really good counselor. And I thought, okay, well, all right, I'm going to sit with that for a minute. And I had had therapy when I was a teenager and it didn't really work. It didn't really give me tools that were helpful or help in the expansion or grounding mm-hmm. of my soul. But a friend of mine made a recommendation and I found this really excellent transpersonal counselor. And meaning that she really looked at the body and mind as one and had some tools uh-huh. that were really pretty delicious. Like she uses breath work and somatic integration where she would have me put my hand on my body and listen to what my body was saying. And she'd use art therapy where I would make a drawing and we would then talk about what I had drawn, you know, based on whatever topic she had given me to draw about. And that was profound. I worked, I've worked with her for 14 years And that in and of itself was really powerful for my healing. Um, I made some incredible strides working with her that had nothing to do with taking a pharmaceutical drug or an herb or anything other than addressing my mind and my heart. So did you move forward with that doctor's recommendations of just going for the big surgery and all that? Like, how did that unfold? I didn't. um, I chose, well, I chose not to have my colon removed. I was Mm -hmm. really passionately convinced that there were other ways to heal my digestion other than having my colon removed. Mm -hmm. And because of my study of Ayurveda, I was really, really devoted to finding the answers because I knew how important digestion is and it just it was not it was not really an option for me to have my colon removed 
Mm-hmm. I did have open heart surgery to fix my heart. Um, and that was a journey. It's such a big surgery. It was such a big decision to make for yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. And just a really, a really lonely one too, because there's no one that right. you can ask, is this the right thing to do? You know, your surgeon will tell you absolutely yes, right. but you know, is the right thing mm-hmm. for me to do? And I didn't want yeah. to get someone else's answers. I wanted my own. So I spent a lot of time in reflection and in prayer. I use Sanskrit mantra or Vedic mantras for mm-hmm. my prayer. And that was really how I was able to make that choice to have the surgery. And then I found an incredible surgeon who was able, willing and able, to repair my heart valve rather than replace my heart valve, which is important Ah. because when you get a replacement, the replacement has to be replaced every seven to 10 years, which at the time would have meant like five open heart surgeries for me in my lifetime. So I found one of the few surgeons in the United States who could repair my valve using my own tissue. Wow. And I just felt so blessed that I found him and so confident in him. He was like being in the presence of an enlightened master, a very spiritual person with these incredible skills. Yeah. So I felt remarkably blessed to have access to him. He was at Yale New Haven, which was only 25, 30 minutes away from where I lived. And Mm. so I did have open heart surgery, which was still, it was still a big, big recovery, a big choice and a spiritual journey of its own. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot to that portion of your story that, you know, some folks want to be really campy one way or the other about modern medicine or these more natural paths like Ayurveda. And I think it's very important that you had that background in Ayurveda so that you could sit with your decision and um, see that there might be another way and advocate for yourself in that way. But then also, like, we still need modern medicine too. Like, Ayurveda Mm -hmm. can't do surgery on you. (laughs) Um, So that's really valuable. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I think that's really important to recognize that we have tools and it's up to us how we choose to use those tools. And you can choose to Mm -hmm. cut off an entire wisdom line of Western medicine, but there's value there just Mm -hmm. in the same way that there's value in Ayurveda and you know, being able to pick yeah. and choose and have the wisdom to know which pieces of each are applicable in the moment is really quite critical. Yes, I so agree with that. So could you say a little bit more about the spiritual experience of being open-hearted? Hmm. Yeah, I thought a lot about that. Let me tell you. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. What I came to realize 
through my mental, spiritual, and emotional work was that I was brokenhearted and that I needed to really heal my broken heart as well as have this physical surgery to heal my broken heart. Mm -hmm. And like everyone, you know, there were episodes and events in my childhood that were heartbreaking and there were ways in which Mm -hmm. I was behaving in my life which were unsustainable for me. So I took the symbolism even deeper. Um, My particular heartbreak was that the valves of my heart, uh, the leaflets of the valves of my heart, which are basically like the doors. So I'll just make a little... So we have these leaflets that open and close in the valve of our heart. And one of my leaflets Mm -hmm. was shrunken and stubby and just like wiggling around and it wasn't shutting. And the other Uh was really overextended and floppy and it wasn't shutting either. So I had this wide open stream of blood rushing through my heart rather than having it open close right and the blood move through properly so for me right the symbolism became where am i overextending myself where am i underdeveloped mm. where am i not closing the door to things that would support me or i'm sorry where am i closing the door to things that aren't good for me and where am i opening the door right to things that also aren't good for me So I did a lot of boundary work during that time, and I continue to do boundary work. Wow. Um, And I continue to look at what aspects of myself are undeveloped or underdeveloped, and what aspects are, where am I overextending myself? Where am I doing way more than Mm -hmm. I need to do? And how can I bring all of that back into some sort of equilibrium? I love that. That's beautiful and important. Um, so is that work sort of what brought you out of the dark night of the soul or how did that play out? Yeah, absolutely. It, it was my companion in the dark night of the soul and I added to it as well. I found, um, other somatic integration practices um, I spent a bunch of time at Kripalu mm. taking classes there and uh, yeah, really rediscovering who I am and connecting right. with my body and, and what the truth is of my experience. Whereas I spent a lot of time in my younger years prior to my dark night looking outside of myself for validation, mm. for Um, a mirror to see who I am. Whereas that work and that journey through the dark night, because we can't see, the dark night is so blisteringly dark that we don't have something to reflect off. We only have our own experience, our own lived path to guide us. Mm -hmm. And so Soma Soul was the name of the work that I did at Kripalu. And 
it incorporated dance and movement and more physical practices that I just, that lit me up, that nice. just grounded me back into myself and gave me more tools to examine what was happening, to create a sort of soul sickness within myself and how to move through that. Mm. And yeah, and it, it ultimately sort of, it's sort of, you know, dark nights come and go. Just like, you know, every right. 12 hours we have sunset and it's dark for a period of time. So I wouldn't say that that was my last mm -hmm. night, dark night of the soul. That was simply probably totally. my longest. Um, right. And so, but once you know how to navigate, it becomes a tiny bit easier <laughs> to navigate the next mm -hmm. dark night. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out because I think that's important. I think there's some, because I've asked other folks about their dark night of the soul and I think there's some notion that like once you go through it, now you're better and everything's sunshine and roses on the other side. But I thank you for pointing that out because that's so valid. So did this, was this related to your line? Well, um, looking back, it, it definitely was. Um, oh, in my opinion, it was. People may disagree with that, but my sense and perspective is that both of those things, both my ulcerative colitis and my heart condition, were what doctors, my doctors were calling idiopathic, meaning there was no mm. obvious cause for them. And right. Ayurveda would argue with that. <laughs> Ayurveda would say, right. no, there's always a cause. And you just haven't found the cause. So for me, mm -hmm. knowing what I know about Ayurveda, I can see that this really intense parasitic infection that went untreated was responsible mm -hmm. for both my gastrointestinal and my heart problems. It just, those were my, those were my weak spots. So... They landed. That makes that sense. Parasite landed there. Right. Well, and as they do, that's um, just from what I've read about Lyme is the kinds of tissues that it affects. That sounds reasonable to think that it would be the Lyme. And I also agree that the paradigm difference between Ayurveda and allopathic medicine is in allopathic medicine, they treat the symptoms. They can just chalk it up to like the cause is not what we're concerned about. We're just concerned with treating it. And Ayurveda is a very different yes. method of approaching that's like, no, we primarily work with the causes rather than just addressing symptoms. And as you work with the cause, the symptoms will resolve themselves in most cases, I think. Um, yeah. Very much. So, very much. And it also explains yeah. a lot about why Lyme disease is such a mysterious illness because it affects people so differently. Mm -hmm. And so coming at it from an Ayurvedic right. perspective where we can say, well, everyone has um, a unique body and with that comes their own set of um, just sort of congenital weaknesses or weaknesses that they've accumulated over their lifetime. And then the Lyme disease parasite mm -hmm. kind of knows that they're a brilliant parasite it knows that and finds those spots yeah. and then hangs out 
in those spots. So it could be nervous system tissue. Right. could be brain. It could be the spinal right. cord. could be muscles. could be joints. could joints. be the digestive system. Yeah. could be the skin. could be the heart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it explains a lot to me. It makes sense in my mind logically that there's this paradigm that is utterly mysterious to Western medicine because they don't look at it in the same way as the Ayurvedic paradigm. Mm -hmm. Right. So when did you discover that you had chronic Lyme? When did you come to understand it as that? Well, you know, I had been asking my doctors something in me knew that I had Lyme disease. And so I'd asked my doctors, my gastroenterologist and my primary care physicist and my cardiologist, like, would you give me a Lyme test, please? You know, because I had lived Mm. years, I returned from New Mexico back to Connecticut and suddenly knew a whole lot more about Lyme disease. And they all said the same thing, which is like, you're testing negative. I thought, okay. Right. But now come to find out testing is really, really unreliable. And so Mm -hmm. I got Lyme a second time in 2017. And luckily I had found, yeah, I know, I had found a really great uh, physician's assistant who specialized in Lyme and said, let's get you a special test. And so she got the special test, the Western Mm. blot, and she read it and she said, oh, you've yeah, you've definitely had Lyme before. You know, I can see it here in the test results. And you have an acute infection of Lyme as well. So we started working together and she provided me with some just incredible resources to know and understand Lyme better. And that's when I realized truly that I had had Lyme all along since I had gotten bitten in, I guess it was 2003, that entire time I had had Lyme disease and right. it was, it was another mind blowing moment where I was just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> this is a lot deeper yeah. than I thought. For sure. And that's super valid. I know like at least from what I've seen, the Western medicine approach, you have to like find a practitioner that understands that chronic Lyme is a thing because I think a lot in the Western world, they're like, we treat it with antibiotics and then it's done once you're done with your round and the rash goes away and that's it. And then any other things that come after that are just, like you said, idiopathic. Um, So could you say more about the, maybe what the acute treatment looked like if that was different um, or, or what your, what was the work then now that you knew that You had an acute infection and chronic. What did that look like? Well, um, at that point, um, with the guidance of this physician's assistant that I was working with, I decided to do six weeks of doxycycline. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would do that again, but at the time it was the right choice. However, at the end of that six weeks, I still wasn't feeling very much better. In fact, some things had gotten worse. Right. Um, my digestive symptoms, which had been pretty mild, I was still taking a pharmaceutical drug for them. 
they had gotten worse, they flared up. And then I started having joint pain and a lot more exhaustion. And that's once Lyme has been treated with antibiotics in allopathic medicine, it's called chronic Lyme disease if there hasn't been um, mm-hmm. a relief from the symptoms. And so right. that was when I really started to think, okay, I need to do something very different here because I don't want to have another heart surgery. I don't want to have ulcerative colitis for the rest of my life. If Lyme is the underlying cause, then I want to treat it. And I want to really get it to a point where I can live in harmony with Lyme because the fighting it, Mm. the loading up on antibiotics doesn't work for me. Um, The herbal protocols, which were painful in their own way, they weren't as gut-wrenching in some ways as antibiotics, but they were uncomfortable. Were these Ayurvedic herbs? These were Western herbs. So I did what's called the Cadence Protocol, which okay. not to yeah. scare anyone off from that. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful protocol. Um, but I think, again, if I had to do it over again, I would customize it more specifically for myself. But mm-hmm. what was really the game changer for me was when I started doubling down on Ayurvedic lifestyle practices. Um, Mm -hmm. Still still doing the body-mind work with my counselor, um, going to bed earlier. You know, there were some things that just became Uh game game changers in my journey. Um, I started taking Ayurvedic herbs. I started really customizing my herbal routines so that like from day to day, I could tweak them. I could say, oh, I'm, I'm not feeling joint pain today. I'm going to take a little less of that, but I am having a headache, so I'm going to take more of that. Uh-huh. And, you know, making sure that I was doing yoga and giving myself massage, and I bought myself a steam tent and giving myself steams after my self-massage. Nice. And there was just so much. There's just so much to do in Ayurveda as a way to heal. Mm -hmm. And that's really what has made the difference. That's awesome. So would you say there's been a resolution? I mean, it sounds like that's a leading question. Like, no, you're, you're living in (laughs) harmony now. So that's the approach. Like it doesn't go away. Um, Could you say more about that? Like, yeah. What I can tell you is that um, the massive amounts of brain fog that I was experiencing um, have gotten less and less and less to the point where I am able to think much more clearly and write and speak more clearly than I was, you know, five years ago. Um, The joint Mm -hmm. pain that was getting to a point where it was debilitating five years ago is now... I can go months without experiencing any joint pain. Um, That's awesome. What else? Um, The big ones were uh, the ulcerative colitis symptoms. My digestion is just functioning at such a higher level. Um, I've been able to go off the pharmaceutical drugs that I was using to keep the ulcerative colitis symptoms in check. And also go off things like I was taking this very expensive protocol probiotic called Visabiome, which was like $500 a month. 
And so I don't need wow. to use that anymore. Um, so nothing is perfect. You know, perfection doesn't exist. But right. I would say that my right. symptoms are at the lowest point um, that they have been maybe ever. And I feel really good and feel quite vibrant and have a lot of energy and am I able to do things that I want to do? And that's my big marker is like, can I live the life that I want to live? And I can. And that's what matters. Yeah. It certainly is. That's awesome. I'm really glad. Yeah. Um, so just an, an aside question, um, because I've seen you talk about on social media, the Lyme personality type. Mm -hmm. So that sounds to me like maybe Pitta in Uh Ayurveda. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. So could you say more about that? Just the Lyme personality type, what it is, Ayurvedic perspective. Sure. um, Sure. So the Lyme personality type is a construct that I combined two practitioners. Uh, David Dalton is one of them. And um, I'm forgetting the woman's name. She wrote Metaphysical Anatomy. And so I constructed, I sort of combined these two philosophies that they had. And I said, oh, they, they've outlined a personality type. And it looks an awful lot like Ayurveda's uh, pitta or um, rajas, mm-hmm. and which is the dosha of the right. mind. And it's often very closely associated with pitta, a pitta person, pitta predominant mm-hmm. person. So it's someone who's prone to anger, um, prone to perfectionism, prone to, um, let's see, they're just it's not all negative. Like they're smart people. They're really intelligent. Um, Mm -hmm. but there may be some perfectionism happening. And when we take Mm -hmm. anger, for instance, and direct it inwards, which is something I have a lot of experience with, it becomes very self-destructive. And for Mm -hmm. me, that was, that was something that tied in with my ulcerative colitis was this internalizing of anger. So, you know, noticing these similarities was also helpful to me and I hope helpful to people who, you know, are either aware of one or the other and can see how they relate to each other. That's super interesting. Is that, um, is that how it usually plays out with Lyme? It's usually, maybe this is an oversimplification, but is it usually like a Pitta imbalance? Or well, I don't know. Is that an oversimplification? So I think, um, I don't think it's entirely an oversimplification, because from an Ayurvedic perspective, there are a couple different ways to understand Lyme disease, and there are two mm-hmm. umbrella categories in Ayurveda. One is called Amavata, and the other is called the Vata Rakta, and Vata Rakta is very much about, the English translation for that would be like wind in the blood. And Mm. Rakta is very closely associated with Pitta. So I think Mm -hmm. from my perspective, what we're looking at is Pitta Vata imbalances. 
And it does get right. much more complicated than that. But in simplest terms, mm-hmm. it is people who are prone to pitta and vata imbalances or have had excessive pitta and vata in their lives for long periods of time. Yeah. And to simplify, like excessive fire and air. Right. Which looks like the pitta imbalance is what you just described. Um, like anger, internalized anger, and then the mm-hmm. vata imbalances, like like you said, the brain fog, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Yeah. So with a with a pathology that encompasses so much, like Lyme disease, there's often more than one dosha involved. Yeah. So there's often two, sometimes three doshas involved. That makes sense. So with brain fog, for instance, yeah, it's going to be vata, kapha, maybe even pitta. Okay. Interesting. So it's complex. (laughs) So then you've found Ayurvedic tools to help. I know you mentioned marma. Could you say more about Mm -hmm. that? Sure. So really... Truly, I discovered Marma when I was in massage school. And what I right. didn't know then, but know now, is that the acupressure points are almost identical to Marma points. And so when I went to school right. for Ayurveda in New Mexico, I started learning more about Marma and seeing these relationships. They were the exact same points. And they're just super powerful. And one of the things that helped me understand how powerful they are is my massage practice. So having been a massage therapist for you know a couple of decades, I was able to see them work every time I worked with an mm-hmm. individual and used these points. I watched them change and I watched them shift and I watched how they would feel when they would get off the table and go, you know, go about the rest of their lives. So marma points are vital points in the body where there's an intersection of uh, blood vessels, veins, maybe there's some bones nearby, there's ligaments, there's tendons. There's a lot going on in these spots. And by pressing them, we can interact with the body on a physical an emotional, mental, and spiritual level. They have the entire mm-hmm. layer of our experience in these spots. So I just really love them because for me, you know, I'm not against yeah. taking aspirin or taking herbs or taking something to treat whatever condition that I might be experiencing or that someone else is experiencing. But when I can use my fingers to change my reality, Rather than taking a pill or an herb yeah. or a vitamin, I'm so much more excited. Like that's really exciting to be able to just use your hands. That is. To to shift reality. Yeah. Like you could take an ibuprofen for a headache, but you could also give yourself ten or fifteen minutes of massage and your headache can go away. So this can be a self practice, right? Like somebody doesn't have to Absolutely. go to yeah. a practitioner. Yeah, Yeah, but a practitioner would obviously teach you how. Right, right. And that's my passion because I really, 
I'm super interested in empowering people to take their health into their own hands and mm. be able to use tools literally that are like right here <laughs> that are available to them. Yeah. Every day. That's fantastic. So is that how you primarily work with folks now is through teaching them like is Marma or other tools like I mean, can you say more I about really, how you Yeah, I really love all of the tools of Ayurveda. Um, but teaching people how to use the tools is really important because like you noted earlier, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to oversimplify Ayurveda. And it's really not that simple. Absolutely. Really, really actually a lot of intricate concepts and interrelationships that when taken out of context could be harmful. So teaching people about Ayurveda and how to use it is really my passion. That's cool. Yeah. And Marma is just a part of that. So yeah, lifestyle practices are huge. Totally. And that's what I appreciate that you said that too, because as you know, I teach yoga and we, most folks listening to this podcast by now have some awareness that yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences. That's what we hear all the time. There's, you know, sister sciences. And I think that's, we can like, I'll theme a yoga class around we're approaching Vata season now. And that's within my scope. But like you, you said, I don't know enough to treat people ayurvedically so i think that's a really important note right absolutely um, and then yeah. you have this resource called mm-hmm. the sweet sleep checklist so could yes. you say more about what that is how it came about how it helps that kind of sure. stuff sure um so I started noticing this theme among people who have Lyme disease, and I had already experienced it, and sometimes continue to experience it, that sleep can be very disturbed, either problems falling asleep or difficulty staying asleep through the night. And this, of course, in Ayurveda is very particular to um, pitta and vata, so people who have too much fire mm. and air and ether in their body minds are going to experience sleeplessness. So I put together this checklist of things that people can do, their practices. Um, some of them are just like Marie Kondoing underneath your bed hmm. um, to help you get really great sleep. So for people who don't want to use a sleeping pill, but still want to get a great night's sleep, the sweet sleep checklist has some just fun and interesting and also powerful ideas to get some great sleep and you can find it. Um, That's fantastic. You know, on my I love it. Facebook or Instagram page. Yeah. So I always link that stuff in the show notes for folks that are, um, you can just go to the show notes and click it. That's convenient. But for folks that are listening, plant the seed to use a, is bug in the ear, the wrong analogy since, Lime is a bug and it sometimes <laughs> affects your ears. Um, plant a bug in their ear about where to find you on social media, your website. Can you just say? Um, sure, absolutely. So, my website is Living in Harmony with Lime, and that's Lime, L Y M E. You can also find me on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook at Living in Harmony with Lime. So, those are all my spots. Nice. Very awesome. And they will absolutely be linked. Um, 
So yeah, do you recommend folks start with that checklist? If somebody maybe has Lyme, where would you point them or how to work with you? I think one of the best ways to really get to know my work and to know if it's right for a person is to sign up for my newsletter. And you can do that from my website, Mm. um, also from my Facebook and Instagram bios. You can follow the link in the bio right to signing up for the newsletter. If you get the sweet sweet checklist, you will be signed up for my newsletter as well. So my newsletter has a lot of great resources. You can also check out my blog, which also has some awesome resources. And I do one-on-one Ayurvedic health coaching. So that is the way to get the most customization and personalization with me. Um, But you can figure Mm -hmm. out a lot of what I'm doing by my Instagram posts and Facebook posts and newsletter. Fantastic. Thank you for being such a wonderful resource and for sharing Mm -hmm. your story so openly. It's, I really appreciate it. Um, Are there any last thoughts you want to leave us with? It's been my pleasure to be here. And I think if there's anything that I would like people to take away is really to check in with your body and listen. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, then you're on your way. Beautiful. I agree. Thank you. You're welcome. What a beautiful takeaway from that whole episode. I hope y'all really sit with that and resonate with that, that the whole entire takeaway is just if you can listen to your body and be with the practice. I mean, that's to me, that's the whole point of yoga, right? Is to get really intimate with the practice of noticing and listening to your own body and your own emotions and internal landscape because our culture just so wants us to tune that out, right? And if you've been around here for a while, you might have heard me talk about the fact that that's a really key part in yoga for trauma, which is kind of like what I love to do and talk about and study, you know, kind of how we've all been through traumatic stuff throughout our lives. And the key to being resilient and bouncing back from literally anything is knowing what you have going on so that you can address it. Right. And truly address the root cause. And so that's, that's beautiful. And I just also want to share if you stuck around this long and you have interest in more Lyme resources because, uh, so Kimberly mentioned several, and if you wanted to work one-on-one with somebody, I would highly, highly recommend, um, just getting in touch with her or even just following her on social media and being kind of in her world. She shares a lot of really good stuff. And if, and when you're ready to work one-on-one with her, I think she would be a fantastic person to work with for these Lyme concerns. If you have them or just tick-borne illness concerns, but if y'all want to know the book I was reading, um, or am kind of still reading, I've, I've read like a good chunk of it, but, um, about Lyme disease, There is a medical doctor here in North Carolina named Dr. Rawls, R-A-W-L-S, and he has a book titled Unlocking Lyme. So that book is a fantastic resource, even if you just want to understand. So the first couple chapters talk about um, tick-borne illness and all the different bacteria. So some of that stuff I kind of mentioned in the episode, that book is where I got that from. Um, And then also... Honestly, y'all, I'm having a moment of 
I can't remember if I said this in the intro or if I just thought about saying it and didn't say it because so I recorded the intro a couple days ago and then things with my kids were crazy this week um and so I did not get to finish recording the this part and actually putting the episode up till this morning the episode's going to go out today so I just wanted to mention also that um I think I didn't say this in the intro. I think it was a shower thought. I was like, oh, I need to say that on the outro. So anyway, um, my husband's plan of treatment that we're kind of piecing together ourselves is we're going to work with Donna Papanya, who was on a couple episodes ago talking about Ayurvedic cleansing. So um, I just want to say I take this with a grain of salt, y'all, because he went to the doctor. He got antibiotics. I'm Hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing that. I don't think he does. Um, He got antibiotics. He did that. And we even sought out a doctor here in the Asheville area where we live, found one. Uh, He doesn't have health insurance, so that wasn't an option. And so maybe, you know, she was, it was going to be like $3,000 for the test to even establish working with her. So our, this is, I'm not telling you to just go rogue if you have access to a doctor or, you know, a PA like Kimberly mentioned something to go that route, please do. Um, but what we're going to do for his continuing symptoms is leverage this Ayurveda stuff. He's going to do an Ayurvedic cleanse and all of that. So if you want more support there or just more resources, I'm happy to answer your questions. You can always email me rosemary at yogiscopes.com. Um, and check out that Ayurvedic cleansing episode because I, what I have found, I, to tie this all back together, you know, I like science and evidence and stuff. What I found, what I learned from the Dr. Rawls book and a couple other books I have, um, related to Lyme disease and tick-borne illness is that it, it has a lot to do with gut health. It's basically tick-borne illnesses basically manifest as they're like parasites or bacteria. There's some different ones. There's lots of different ones and that's why it's tricky um, to test for and all this stuff. Um, But basically gut health is of the utmost importance because your gut health has to do with your microbiome and your, your bacteria. And so, yeah. So do with that information what you will. If you want more resources and support, I'm here for you. Kimberly's here for you. Please reach out and enjoy, continue enjoying to play in the woods. So don't be scared of playing outside and playing in the woods because of tick-borne illness, I urge you. So with all that said, please remember to keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, friends. <laughs>